0: To deliver. I am not going to waste your time introducing the one and only Gary Vaynerchuk. There are people in this room who traveled 24 hours by bus just to see this man. So you better have something smart to say, Gary. Ask Gary V. is Gary's fourth business book, his fifth book total. His first one about wine, that's where he got his professional start. So I'm hoping you didn't have wine before getting here. You can have an after because this is the moment, this is the hour where you're going to learn, I love this word, I love the whole focus here, learn a bit of Gary's genius. (laughs) And I'm gonna start because Gary's team gave me the first question, and it's oh, just fuck. so special that I wanna share it. Genius does not have a timetable. When did yours first manifest, Gary? You know. Are
1: you kidding me? With that? You know. <laughs> yeah. It was a sunny day um, in Belarus. In, in a very serious note, forget about the context of that word. I think it was around the time I turned 30 that I understood that understanding people um, and consumer behavior was something that I had, and that there was a way to deploy it against something besides selling more wine, right, and so I'm not comfortable with the word genius, Steph, but this singular thing that I think will allow me to create a lot of success in my life is predicated on emotional intelligence, and I started started to understand it a little bit more in my early 30s.
0: I actually want to go back to the word genius, though, because your success is based on really, really hard work and grinding it out. And there's a risk out there right now with all of this enthusiasm and key terms like disruptive innovation and finding your genius and being your best self, that there's all this noise that it turns into a vacuum and we're forgetting you need to work really hard and be good at your job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we're living through a period of time right now between Shark Tank, between you know the social network, the movie, that people are confused and think that um, it's just so easy to build a business where you make a million dollars a year. The top 1% earners in America make $400,000 a year, right? Like, we are not grounded in any level of practicality right now of what it takes to be the top 1% executor in America. You, you make $400,000 a year pre-tax. Like, like everybody, I mean I look at Instagram all day long and there's people just spewing how easy it is to become a millionaire if you just sign up for my three course thing or how, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable the lack of practicality. One of the reasons I like producing the content that I'm producing now is, it's becoming very clear to people that it takes an enormous amount of work to be successful, on top of which, you actually have to have talent. Being good enough to run a business or be an entrepreneur that has a successful business is a talent, no different than singing, no different than being a basketball player. Are you good at singing? I'm atrocious at singing. How about basketball? I'm terrible at basketball, unfortunately. All right, and, and, and when I say terrible, I put that in the context of who I am as an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, I'm an NBA all-star. As a basketball player, I'm a below average rec league basketball player, right? I could be working on basketball every day since I was 12 until you know, I was 25 and what I would be is an above average rec NBA basketball player. This thought that you, if you just try hard enough or you work hard enough or you read enough books or what have you, that you can become this thing that you weren't naturally gifted with is wrong. What you can be is the best version of yourself in something. No matter how much I worked on cooking, I would not be as good as Eric in the front row, right? It just wouldn't be, it just wouldn't be. It's what he's great at, it's what he was gifted at, and it's the work he put in. And so I think the biggest thing, the reason reason self-awareness is one of the main things on the book, we have to start understanding what we're good at and putting our energy against that because that's where you can start having an impact. Whether that is a great fundraiser for NGOs, a stay-at-home dad, a radio person, it doesn't matter what it is, but we have gone way too far in the American dream of entrepreneurship and everybody's gonna build a million dollar fucking business.
0: Well, is one of the problems the way we're evaluating entrepreneurship is not about profitability, but it's more about notability and having your name and face out there because you go to as many conferences as I do, and it's sort of a roundup of the same voices over and over. And I wonder, well, that's when the- are these people running their businesses? Are their businesses making any money?
1: Well, that look, that has a lot to do with the world that you come from, right? Bloomberg knows that if they use those people, they'll get more clicks on their website, they'll get more views on their show. So it's like a self-fulfilling machine, right? I mean...
0: Is it a self-fulfilling machine, or is it a symbol that we're heading into yet another bubble? Are we going to look back at this moment and say... Ah, when the bubble burst, it was right there. When I asked Gary Genius, at what point, at, when I asked Gary Genius, when I asked Gary V, at what point did you become a human genius? Honestly, questions like that yeah. make me think of the year 2000 when we thought anything with the dot com at the end
1: was, you know, your recipe to be a zillionaire. Steph, I'll be very frank with you. Please. I really don't give a fuck. Because, <laughs> let me tell you, let me, no, That's no. That's what I wanted to do on let my me, Sunday let me, 5. Let me, but let me give a fuck. But, but let me tell you what I mean by that. I have no idea if we're in the bubble or not, this, that, the other thing. It's just not what I think about. I think about executing and doing my thing. I've built two businesses in my life. I did them both during bad times. Wine Library happened right after 9-11 is when I really started hitting my crescendo. I lost an enormous amount of clients because they either died or they lost a lot of money and I navigated my business through a very difficult time. AJ and I started VaynerMedia right when the financial crisis happened. None of these companies wanted to spend more money on marketing, let alone something they never heard of. So are we, I think every moment's a bubble Because I know I'm gonna win in my craft and that's just what I think about. I don't, as an investor, I've been far more conservative the last 18, 24 months because I kind of had an epiphany 20, 20, maybe 24 months ago. Like people were just coming in and they had no stomach for this. They were good students that you know, had friends and relatives that got them into a great ecosystem, that got them funding. Everybody was chasing their next startup. There was no practicality to revenue. It was all about raising the next round. And so, look, I don't look at startup culture or entrepreneurship any different than the stuff that you cover every day, Wall Street and shit of that nature. It's all the same game. There's a ton of stuff. What? But it's the, it's the same game, right? Which is, I'm not intrigued or it doesn't seem like an interesting use of time to debate if something's a bubble or people, like, uh, to me it's about execution. I like communicating, um, I put my stuff out there. It's a proxy that fulfills me. I like, I like the admiration, I like the, my mother complimented me 500 times a day. So I need people to come. <laughs> and do this, like I need that, I like that. But Is that where,
0: it, it, Does your self-worth come externally? Yes. Are you afraid of that? That's a risky place
1: to be. No, because I equally have self-worth internalized as well. I'm that awesome. No, I'm just that pulling from opposite directions, right? As much as I want it, I don't need it. As much as I I really care what individual people say on the Amazon, on Tuesday, somebody's gonna leave a one-star review on this book, and I'm gonna read it three times and really internalize it. And I'm gonna really care, and I'm really not gonna care.
0: How do you make your money, Gary?
1: I make my money in a lot of ways. You know, Wine Library is a very successful business that I built that kicks me distributions at the end of the year on its profit. Uh, VaynerMedia is gonna do $100 million in revenue this year and I'm gonna get substantial distributions from that. Um, I'll probably make several millions of dollars public speaking. Um, I've got companies that will exit this year, hopefully, if the bubble doesn't burst, that will, that will, that will give me profit from that. Um, I'll probably go garage-sailing on a random day in the summer and buy some stuff and flip it on eBay and make a couple thousand bucks that way. <laughs>
0: How can, you be, how can you be your best self doing all those things? I'm guessing if I'm a consumer product company that yes. works with you yes. and I see all your Instagramming yes. and all your events and all your public speaking, yep. I would pick up the phone and say, Gary, I pay you a shit ton of money. What are you doing out there promoting yourself?
1: You should be working for me. Sure. I, I think it comes in a lot of different ways. First of all, I think that nobody's paying me. They're paying VaynerMedia. VaynerMedia is a- That's fix- you. No, it's not. That's what you think you want to say, but it's just not true. is not me. I'm so Gary Vaynerchuk.
0: So if you left, you so would not, VaynerMedia wouldn't lose,
1: lose clients. VaynerMedia would lose clients, but not because of Gary V, but because I'm disproportionately the operating CEO of the company, and when you have a CEO that's great and runs a business and leaves, a business loses business.
0: But that's you know what that, I want right? to get to. I, I do know that. Okay. So we have so many people in this room who are entrepreneurs. Yes. And or they want to be entrepreneurs, but they have day jobs. Yes. And they have lots of other commitments. And they look at you and all that you do, and they think, I don't even have the time to compose a tweet. Walk me through again. How can you be your best self in all these different verticals and deliver on
1: every single one? Because I'm self-aware of what makes me tick. Like, I need a lot of chaos. I'm the same person that comes to the office and when everybody's head down and had headphones on, I'm like, can somebody please play music and make it louder? I need chaos, it's my oxygen. I need to be doing four, five, six, seven things. It's when I'm at my best. And, and Steph, really simply, like, this is a results-driven business. You're, you're a big girl. GE and, and <laughs> G, GE and Pepsi and Unilever and J&J, they're not, Overwhelmed by the Gary V. Mystique. They're not keeping us and renewing us because I'm clever or because it's fun or because I razz or because I curse. It's because we deliver. I've built a company that is a machine, not me, that can deliver on the KPI for several different reasons. First and foremost, Madison Avenue agencies are not good at what they do in a 2016 world and there's an enormous white space. Can we answer it? Yes. (laughs) Sis, I'm on stage.
0: Why isn't she here?
1: Why aren't you here? I love you more. Love you more. <laughs> so, so I'm able to. Because she didn't want to come. She didn't want to come. She
0: didn't want to come. A- Eric came 24 hours yeah. on a bus from Sioux Falls. As and your my sister, sister didn't as want my, to come. As my As
1: my sister would say, I know that bullshit. <laughs> I grew up with it. <laughs> um, look, I think I think that it comes down to. Uh, the fact that I just outwork most people. You know, I'm working on VaynerMedia 10, 11 hours a day. I mean, it's, you know, that's more than enough by most standards in the marketplace that I'm in. When you're working 15 and 16, it gives you time to compose a tweet.
0: You decided about 18 months ago that as hard as you wanted to work and as committed as you were, you then made a decision that in order for you to operate at your best level, you had to make health, wellness, and fitness a huge priority in your life that you hadn't before. Yes. Has it changed your performance? No. It's made your selfie look better, though? Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, It really hasn't. My energy level is not up. I don't feel that different. I feel stronger, like when I grab my suitcase from the, you know, seriously, I feel stronger. I'm stronger, my energy level's the same. Mike and I were talking about it today. My energy level's the same, um, but maybe when I'm 59 or 72, my energy level will be different. It, It just became obvious to me that that was a vulnerability for me and that I needed to address it, and so I did.
0: That's exactly what I want to get to. Okay. For you, you look for vulnerabilities across your life, across your businesses, because you need to narrow the margin of error. If anything you spend a lot of your life risk managing. Yes. As you look across your life now, where do you see those vulnerabilities? What are you attacking and addressing? Because people who are young don't necessarily think about risk management. They just are grabbing and going and grabbing and going and they're not necessarily paying attention to what's around them.
1: You know, in business, not a lot, to be very honest with you. Uh, Meaning, in the business world, I feel very comfortable that things are going according to plan. I'm sure there's something going on that I don't see, but right th- as we sit here today, I don't see a huge vulnerability. I'm doing, I'm building a very conservative business, client service. Think about what I did, that for a second. When like I this. think
0: Gary, yeah. I think conservative, totally.
1: But, but you know what's funny? I think I'm stunningly conservative. Let me give you the story of this. Please. Six years ago, at the height of my momentum, I'm hanging out with Mark Zuckerberg and Travis and Saka and all this stuff. I'm, I've just made all these great angel investments, right? Things are going super well. I have a book that's. To a year straight on the New York Times best-selling list with Crush It. I'm getting all these opportunities. Everything is going phenomenal. I decide to take a step back and not do a startup, which I could have raised fifty million dollars for in a heartbeat. Not start a hundred million dollar fund. I stick with me because this is I'm really sticking. real business, I'm and this sticking. is where you're going with this conversation. I decide to build a client service business, which is an eight times EBITDA exit business because I thought the most stable and conservative thing I could do was to scale the skill set that I had around marketing and that I would build a client business and I got enormous pushback, I got made fun of by all my Silicon Valley friends. This was the golden beginning of the era of this whole thing and I took a step back and I built a very boring 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s business.
0: But it wasn't very boring because if you look at consumer product businesses, if you look at Fortune 500 companies, they are desperate, I'm gonna use
1: this event's word, for your genius. They couldn't figure out. I don't know about that. I mean, m- every one of my clients spends 80%, 70% of their money on television, print, and outdoor media and not on digital. And of the 30% they spend on digital, 80% of that is spent on horseshit banner ads or pre-rolls on YouTube. So they're not so fucking desperate with their actions. But, they may but say but it. Hold on.
0: Yeah. But. In theory, aren't they, but when it goes to practice, if you look at any monster business, you could look at finance, media, healthcare, whatever they are, those are titanic-sized businesses that don't make good decisions because they're filled with middle management who make short-term decisions. to. to to preserve their own jobs.
1: Be careful, not just middle management, the CEOs that you sit with every single goddamn day, every morning looking bright and peppy, every fucking morning, you sit with CEOs who make short-term decisions because they just care about their bonuses and their stock options in a 12 to 18 month period.
0: Yes, and the reason they hire you is because they can point to it and say, digital, look, I paid Gary all that money, and then they can check it off their to-do list.
1: That's 100% right. So that being the case, who cares
0: if they're making their digital spend in nonsense? They just need to get to one more day and you just need to get paid by them, no, which that's, you are. No, that's
1: where you're being confused. I do. Let's take a step back. Why do, why do I have VaynerMedia? I have VaynerMedia because seven years ago I decided the best course of action for me to buy the New York Jets was to buy brands, grow them, and flip them. I needed to buy big brands because that's where the dollars were. I I knew how to build 50 or 100 million dollar business. I wanted to buy a business for 200 million dollars and grow it to a billion dollar business because that 800 million is a nice profit margin and that gets me on my path, right? So what I needed to do was go learn what corporate America and Fortune 500 companies were doing that I didn't understand in entrepreneur and tech land. I don't want their money, Steph. I want the client that actually lets me do my shit. If I'm only able to spend a million or two million dollars when they're spending 400 million overall, I can't move the needle or understand if my thesis or my bullshit actually works. So I don't want their fucking money. I can make more money speaking than have J&J as a client. I want their permission to reallocate those dollars to actually drive business results so I can learn at scale, so once I fully believe I've got it, I can go do it for myself. That's what I need. Whoa. 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 <laughs> Makes sense,
0: right? In your experience, yes. you work with private companies, yes. you work with companies that are run by founders, yes. you work with public companies run by employees. The full gamut.
1: <laughs> it's important, I need the context.
0: Is there a difference in the way they conduct their business because those public companies? are forced into short-term decision-making and the people who run those companies are employees, not founders. Do you see a difference in their
1: behavior? Yes, because on the reverse, so that's bad, but on the reverse, so many of the kids in this audience and in the game right now, when they get funding, aren't trying to build an actual business. You know, this has been something I've been ranting on. It's fun that you were skiing this weekend. I've been saying this over and over for the last 90 days. No, no, but you, you are more than allowed because of the way you're playing. I have people who are literally about to go out of business. Literally, in the next 180 days, if they do not raise money, they're out of business, that are literally fucking skiing this weekend. Are you out of your mind as an entrepreneur? Like, we are living through...
0: Yeah, but they're skiing with their friends that they met at Burning Man, and that's important.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And that's exa- and, and, you're, and you and I are both wise enough to know this, that this is exactly what happened in 1998, 99, 2000, 2001 when a lot of these Burning Mans were invented and a lot of those same people who were skiing on the weekend then had an eight year career working at Nabisco or NBC or Bain and McKinsey because when the money runs out they go and get jobs and that's what's gonna happen. Which is quite sad because the 2016 internet versus the 2001 internet is very different. It is quite practical to build a business where you can make $100,000 or $200,000 a year in today's day and it wasn't in 2000. And so all these entrepreneurs that are choosing the glitz and the glamor and the brand of it versus actually spending time to build a practical business are gonna be quite, they're gonna be so sad in three years when they're in a cubicle working for somebody else realizing they wasted that opportunity to build something practical versus just shooting for the dream. But
0: Gary, They're choosing to waste it. When you speak to many of these entrepreneurs and you ask them about profitability, they say, well, we don't comment on profitability. But can I tell you who's on my board? And can I tell you how much money I've raised? Great, you've raised money because there's so much VC money in California right now. It's coming down from the sky. And sure, loads of people would love to sit on your board because it's a free option. When are you going to see a shift? Is it going to be that unicorns are going to die this year that will face them to
1: wake of up? Ch- you know, looking, You know this world better than I do. We start the first day of the year and China fucking goes... Pfft. That starts making everybody scared here. Things have already tightened up. For example, in the angel investing New York tech landscape, the idea of walking into these 10 to 15 firms here in New York and saying, here's my idea, I want $4 million valuation has quickly become, I want a $2.5 million valuation, right? You're going to hear about enormous amounts of down rounds. Then
0: in a perverse way, do you actually like this? Because for you, this is an only the strong will survive environment. Where a few years ago, companies you invested in, sure, the valuations were flying through the roof, but now I'm this sitting is on, a survival I'm obsessed.
1: sitting on an enormous amount of paper money on Uber, Pinterest, Snapchat, that and many other things. you can get out of. Right? Nothing would make me happier than the market completely collapsing and me going to zero on those things. That's a lie. It's not a lie. Let me That's tell a you lie. Why. It's just not, and let me tell you why. Because I truly, first of all, my behavior in parallel was not to completely just invest in that world. You don't want them to go to zero though. I feel as if they deserve to go to zero based on meritocracy and market behavior, then fuck it, let them go to zero. I swear on my children's life. Yes, that is how I feel. now. I think that Snapchat and Uber and Pinterest won't because I actually think those are good businesses. But do I think that there's a ton of unicorns that will be exposed as rhinoceroses? Yes, I do, right? And do I think, and do I think on a totally different level, are we, is there thousands of startups that are running around right now that will quickly go to zero? Yes, I do. And I think that is in my financial best interest because I've built a very practical business that kicks a lot of cash and I'm very intrigued to take that cash and buy shit on a nickel on the dollar as they go to zero because they couldn't get funding. So maybe on paper I take one step back, but I know exactly what I want to do during this wartime. Do
0: you ever wish...
1: Yes. I'm
0: not going to say... You're going to say no. I, I'm going I'm to rephrase it. We are telling young people today, we are preaching the, the merits, the joys, the beauty of entrepreneurship and not working for the man yes. and fat cat corporate America. Yes. But are there lessons to be learned working for corporate America? Uh-huh. Is there a big positive? And maybe are we, are we painting too negative a picture of what it looks like? When I finished school, yes. I never asked myself, should I go work for the man? I simply said, God, I hope there's a guy out there who will hire me.
1: Yeah. So have Uh,
0: we gone too far in doing a disservice to young people coming out of school? I think we've
1: gone too far in pockets. Let's look at the big data. The big data overall is not that many people are still starting their own companies. There's unlimited amount of kids that can't wait this May to go work for the fucking man. There's plenty of practice. What I think we've done is we've told two to four million individuals who should have gone and worked for the man because they would have gotten a lot of value out of it and skills and learnings and stability that they too should be an entrepreneur And that's where we got a little too far in our little bubble. But by the way, that's their fault. Like like That's you not being self-aware or auditing your own skills. That's you hoping and wishing that you can build the next Facebook. And that's my fault for writing you a check. I had a meeting with a kid the other day who's going out of business. That was the meeting. The meeting was, hey man, I'm going out of business. And like, can you help me with some other stuff? And we're going through the meeting, and this is a kid that I wrote a $150,000 check into his business, and he's like going out of business, and he goes, you know, and I'm sitting, I'm concerned, not a good face, because I, you know, I invested and he lost. Uh, And he goes, Gary, don't worry, man, like he's like, he touches, he goes, don't worry, man, I learned a lot. (laughs) And I said, I'm not worried about that fuck face, you lost $150,000 of my dollars. (laughs) I'm like, and so we. what I'm most worried about, Steph. My daughter's Steph, here. I'm sorry. Well, don't bring your daughter next time. I, so I think, look. Like, I mean, are you really confused of what I was going to say up here? I mean, I think I've branded myself no, quite mean, nicely I'm not. to know.
0: I, I just think fuckface is pushing it. Okay, well, sorry.
1: <laughs> you know, so, so I look, I think, I think that... I was stunned. I, mean, I say it, Steph. <laughs> Stay with me here. All right, while you're while you're with guys. <laughs> I'm I was like, okay, okay. So I was like, this is insane. This kid literally <laughs> thinks that I'm worried about what he learned or didn't learn. We've completely gone into bizarro land. Yes, man. but we've done that to him, Gary. That's great. Listen, I don't think I've done shit to anybody. And you guys know this, a lot of you are here, you know my spiel, this is why I've been talking a lot about on Daily V, which is this is how I roll, this is what I do, I'm not telling you you have to work 18 hours a day, you can be on the softball team, I'm not telling you that you have to reply to everybody, you don't have to, I'm telling you this is what I do so that there's no confusion that for me, that the level of talent that I have, that outrageous all-time work ethic is part of the equation. You're more than welcome to think that's interesting. Not interesting. I have okay. no interest. So that's. So he said, Gary, I learned a lot. I got pissed, and I'm like, the other thing I got mad about was like, I'm like, and I, I shifted. I got mad, and I was like, listen, you have a problem here. You thought this was a smart move, easy money. You'll learn better than getting a job. I can always get a job. What you don't realize is the email chain that's going to happen when you walk out of here with me and Dave Morin and Chris Saka and First Round Capital, and we're all going to be like, loser, loser, loser. And you, so will, you can't actually get a job. No, no, he'll get a job, but it's going to be really hard to raise money again from the people that he actually wants to raise money from. Like, our reputation matters. Like, taking a loss is real. And there's this whole kind of feeling in that space that it's not.
0: Why does he have to raise money again? Why, is, why does entrepreneurship. Because it's easier than a Okay, way, but, Steph? but that's my point. Why does entrepreneurship have it to doesn't. be a career? Why is it now taboo
1: to say, I'm going to get a job? I'm gonna say it one more time, 97% of people say that exact thing. So you're living in a New York bubble where you're meeting- But we're not celebrating those people. I agree. There's a thing I did on Bloomberg before you were on Bloomberg, like years ago, it was a uh, Tech Stars. Were you at Bloomberg when they did that? Tech Stars? Okay. Tech Stars did a show where they were, where they had four, it was around Tech Stars on Bloomberg where they were following eight startups. It was like the last episode was like a real world event, right? Mm-hmm. There was people sitting there and talking about, like, you know, th- what happened on the show. You know how Real World used to do the wrap-up show? Yeah. That's what they were doing. Seven shows, so I'm there with five other VCs. Seven companies go and they go, hi, I'm Rick and we created donkeydonkey.com and we raised four million dollars and everybody clapped, right? And he would sit down. (laughs) Hi, I'm Stan, we created like LuffyLuffy.org and we've raised seven million dollars and he would sit down and everybody clapped. Finally, this kid gets up and he goes, hey, we're from Red Rover, we didn't raise any money, we got a couple clients out of the exposure and we didn't raise any money and we're just kind of starting to get going. Silence. I lost my shit on TV. Shocking. You know, I was like, this is why this is all gonna be fucked, right? Because literally, everybody just stood up and said, hi, I'm Johnny from Boogie 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 and I gave away 30% of my company and we clap up. These guys actually built a business and nobody cared. Hold on,
0: back it up. Right there, for aspiring entrepreneurs. Yes. When we say, I raised $4 million, I raised $1 million, that means I gave away X percentage of my business. Do you believe that budding entrepreneurs realize what the implications of raising money actually means?
1: 96% no. It's a bummer. I think most people don't get it. I think it was very attractive. You're young, you're going to build the next Facebook, and let's go. Okay. And that's what happened in the culture. Then right there, you're young. Yes.
0: What do we say? I'm 40, so are you. Does being an entrepreneurial genius, is that only for people under the age of 35? What if you are 40, 50, 60, or 70? this whole entrepreneurship game isn't in it for you because we keep using the word, you're young, you're young. Well, what if you're not young?
1: Yeah, I mean, a couple things on that front. It's funny you said that. It's something I've been spending some time thinking a lot about. Number one, you know, if you're at 35, 40, you know, 45, and you've worked as a non-entrepreneur, you're not an entrepreneur. First of all, I think anybody. And you couldn't be. You sure can be. You're more than welcome to be, but you're not a purebred entrepreneur. Listen. This is something a lot of you guys know that I get razzed on online because I say that if you ever work for anybody else, you're not an entrepreneur. Because my definition of an entrepreneur is that you can't breathe at the thought of working for somebody else. That's my, my, personal, my personal point of view on being a true-bred entrepreneur. If you, are as an, if you are a true entrepreneur, the notion of working for somebody else is so devastating that you would rather live on a couch with your four buddies with fucking cockroaches and eat shit food every day to try to build something. I truly believe that.
0: What about the argument that we're all entrepreneurs? And I could say, Stephanie Ruhle, Bloomberg Media, I work for myself. And if You'd you respect... would be lying to yourself. And if you respect... <laughs> but why? Because why you, couldn't Because once... somebody pays
1: your paycheck. Yes. That's Just Google fucking entrepreneurship. That's not what it says. <laughs>
0: But why can't, why can't one take an entrepreneurship approach to their own They sex? can,
1: they can. So again, a lot of people that follow me know that the way I decipher from an entrepreneur is I use the term entrepreneurial tendencies. I think you have them. You've been very smart, in my opinion, from afar. It's why I like you, it's why I want you to be here tonight. First of all, I knew it wouldn't be, I mean some of them are probably confused in the beginning, I knew it wasn't going to be a cush interview, right? I knew they were going to be real. a cush interview. No, but it wasn't going to be the normal, like, Gary, hey! Wait, it wasn't going to be, when did your genius first manifest? That's right. Because
0: I was wondering. That's
1: right. And so, that was interesting for me. (laughs) Um, And so, but more importantly, I, I do think we can have entrepreneurial tendencies. I, I think that's great. And I do think that people need to be practical. I do think if you're sitting in this crowd right now and you have debt if you, from college, right? Or if you have, I mean look, do you know how many people are dealing with real life stuff? Including yeah. stuff like that nobody ever talks about, including like I sit up here and be like be an entrepreneur and meanwhile you're sitting in that audience and saying, my spouse died. My fucking spouse died. Like my spouse died, I've got two young kids. Like it's not so easy to be entrepreneur land. There's real stuff that happens in people's real lives. Here's what I'm saying. We are living through the luckiest period of time ever for all of us because there's something called the internet. When your spouse died in 1972, right? You had no practicality after seven or eight or nine p.m. when you got home to change your life. You just kind of like came home. The world shut down, right? You got rest is probably what you did. Or maybe you, if you were really hustling, you got an overnight grave job, right? But now we have the internet. The practicality of turning your life into an entrepreneur is very real. From 9 p.m. on till two in the morning every day, everybody here is more than welcome for five full hours a day. Which, oh, by the way, is about the amount of time that most people actually work in their nine hour day. Because these fucking bullshit hour lunches and the 20 minutes that you watch some random video on YouTube that your buddy sent you and you're texting all day, I mean. And you're watching Ask Gary V. That's your damn right. <laughs> You're damn right. I mean, people are really, in these jobs, deploying only five or six hours, right? And so, there's so much time to do your thing. The problem is, people say things and then do different things. We say things all, we say that We, if, say, on we say that' Facebook
0: what we like, and on Amazon, they know what we
1: buy. <sighs> Correct, that's a nice point. Good one to sneak in there, Steph. I think that <laughs> we, I think more importantly- You don't pay me to be here. You're gonna need to be nicer. I'm being very nice. <laughs> We say things like if Trump wins, I'm moving to Canada and then we don't, right? Yeah. We say, things, we say things like, we say all these things that go against our, we say we give a shit about privacy and you're giving away your data all the time 24-7, 365. So I play in a white space of what people say. We say that I'll never be on Snapchat, it's so stupid. We say things and then I've spent a career trying to figure out what we say versus what I think is eventually gonna happen and then I bet my energy time and money on that. Give me an example. Facebook. Everybody said that Facebook was just for kids. People forget Facebook. E-commerce, let me start with my first career. E-commerce, I was a 22 year old kid and everybody told me directly in my face, Gary, you're an idiot, go open a second liquor store. Nobody's gonna buy wine on the internet. The internet is a fad. Who were those people? I don't know, your contemporaries, they were on the Today Show saying that the internet was a fad every single fucking day. Wow. And listen, all the 40, 50, 60-year-olds remember, there's, if you're a 50-year-old and you're a 60-year-old here, you remember your first encounter with the internet. I'll give you one forward. Everybody in this room in 20 years is gonna live in a virtual reality world where they're gonna have a tough time even quantifying the difference between is this real life or is virtual real life? When I said that, right now as people are thinking about what I just said, they're like, ah, we'll always, you know, as I've been talking about this with people, they're like, we're always gonna be needing each other. Of course. But if you don't pay attention to how people are living their lives out there tonight, where they're looking at their phone even though they're in the wild, we're already living our lives in a virtual world while we're in a physical manifestation, right? Like, we're already doing it. And so, I think there's, I think my whole life has been that, from e to email marketing, why don't you do catalogs instead, it's better, what's email, to the YouTube show I started, that's so stupid, who's gonna watch YouTube? Older people aren't gonna watch that, it's just gonna be kids. Facebook's just gonna be for kids, right? So, my whole career's been that. And what did you do that didn't work? The things that I've done that haven't worked have been more predicated on me thinking I could run multiple businesses at a time. Let me explain. I'm only running one business right now. What is that? VaynerMedia. Right, I'm working, I do content for my personal brand, I invest, right? But I'm not actively running the business. In 2009 when I started VaynerMedia, I also started another web show called Obsessed TV. I started a social wine network called Quarked. What happened? And I, look, I'm not done yet. And I started another, And I started another social network for designers and developers called Forest. I had a managing partner in all three of those businesses but I was relied upon to do my part. Right? To, whether it's money, whether it's marketing, whatever it may be, what happened was they all failed because I was overpromising what I was gonna be able to deliver for that business out of having big eyes. I can work 18 hours a day, but I can't operate more than one actual business at a time. And that's a struggle for me and it's one that I feel like I'm getting caught in all the time. I secretly think I can do it again now, even though I know I can't. It, I'm very drawn to it, um, but it is a vulnerability, I get big eyes.
0: You are drawn to bright lights and big ideas and you follow them. Yes. There's only a few things we really can't control in the world. Right. We can't control our health, we can't control the weather, and we can't control time. Yes. You cannot affect them, you can't get them back. Right. Is there anything you are afraid of that you could look back and say, I didn't I know I'm racing, I know I need to keep going towards this shining light because I think it's the right thing, but there have to be things that you're not tending to and in the dark of the night at 2.01 a.m. when you go to sleep, what are you afraid that you're missing?
1: That I'm tricking myself that I'm running the right pattern of work-life balance.
0: Gary, overachievers don't never had balance, so why do we even use that term? I'm, I'm
1: using it to context the conversation.
0: But i I'm guessing you were never balanced. And no, I'm and not. people who keep getting at no, but it's true. Whenever yeah, but, super successful but people Steph, are I, asked about I, work-life I, balance, I, it's a mistake. Fine, they were never balanced fine. people. But I you know,
1: I can't speak for others, but I can tell you easily one of the biggest regrets of my life are the first five years of my marriage, not taking two to three extra weeks of vacation with Lizzie. Easily. One of the no question and I have almost no regrets. I regret not hooking up with more chicks in my 20s because I worked every minute. And I regret not, not spending 20 days a year with Lizzie before we had kids when I easily could have. And so I think about that in the time that I spend with my kids now every well, how single do you, day. So what, so I do the best I can. I do what my heart tells me. I try you just to don't you, don't. you just don't thing, try to fix the hooking before up Before the health the thing, which is a little more public to everybody, I didn't hear what you said. Before the but repeat it in a second. Before the health thing, three or four or five years ago, I started taking seven weeks vacation or three years ago, four you years ago. You
0: take seven weeks' vacation. I a do.
1: Year. I do. When
0: you're on vacation instead of
1: two. And so well, hold on. When you're
0: well, on let vacation. Let me just finish this
1: thought. So that's a hack, right? One thing that I'm talking about right now quite a bit and I'm a very, I don't know how you guys roll, I'm a very where there's smoke, there's fire kind of guy. I like literally am selling myself. I'm talking a lot, and I mean a lot, about the idea of coming home every day now from five to six and eating dinner with the kids or giving them a bath and then going back out. And, if, and I haven't done it yet and I'm talking about it, the same way I did with my health for about a year before I pulled it off, but I think I'll do that. And so all I can do, Steph, is try and, and just try, if it's on my mind, to hack it and make it better.
0: When you're taking those seven weeks of vacation a year, do you disconnect?
1: I would say 80% of the times or of the time I've been able to, I I was, I've done a really good job Um, and so I was like, yes, but once in a blue moon something bad will happen, AKA this last year. I did really well until I read a quick little thing on some of the data I was looking at around Snapchat until I'm like, DJ Khaled is starting to get momentum on this Snapchat thing. All and so, he does is win. That's right, and so, and, so, and so for the 17 or 14 day vacation I took at the end of the year, the first 11 days were really good and the last three were really bad because I caught the Snapchat bug and I shifted. It's just the truth.
0: Are you being honest with yourself about, do you disconnect if we ask Lizzie? Yeah? Ah, she's here.
1: Well, fuck, I just told you that I fucking rolled the first 11 days, but the last three days I fucked up. So it's not like I just said, yeah, I'm cruising. So if you wanna, do you wanna ask her if it was 67% instead of 80? All
0: right, we have to share some audience questions. You ready? Always. What is the number one timeless lesson you learned and carried forward from selling sports cards as a teenager? From Roger.
1: Roger, good question. Um,
0: Not Goodell. uh,
1: Maybe. uh, I learned that attention was the only asset. One more time? I learned. This is straight up. This is why I think I was a good retailer, because of baseball cards. I learned that attention was the only asset that mattered. So I would go and do baseball card shows, and I was 14 years old. Like, do you know how young that is? Like, and the dealer would be like a 40 fucking year old man, right? So like you. Yes. And he would be like, hey kid, that's your table. And the first five or six shows I ever did, I had the shittiest table in the whole mall. Like, the side entrance over here when the whole main thing. And I kind of like, by the fifth or sixth one, said, wait a minute, this is bad. Like, because when I go, take, go get a pretzel, there seems to be more people over here than they are over by me. And so, there's a classic story I have with Brandon who runs Wine Library, who's my best friend in high school. We did shows together where it was this show and we get this table and I go, Brandon, like there's this whole main thing and we have this random table on the way out and I'm like, Brandon, this is bad. We need a different table. We got like I was really feisty, I'm like, I'm gonna go He's like, no, 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 this is super fine, just like everything else. Literally, the first guy that came into the show like eight o'clock in the morning, walked the whole show, bought a ton of shit and on his way out, he looks at us and he goes, oh shit, I didn't even know you guys were here. And th- there was something about that moment that triggered for me and what I did on every show when I negotiated forward was pick the table. I would go on Thursday, negotiate my table before I'd even pay the guy. And what it did was it talked me about consumer behavior, how they walked around, and when I got into my dad's store, I started reorganizing shelving based on profit margin and things that later I would learn is really common practice of great retailers. And that came intuitively and that was absolutely taught to me through intuition but also through behavioral stuff at baseball card shows.
0: Seeing that you understand retail, you know what a great retailer is, you know what iconic brands are, are there any brands out there that you look at and say, oh, that is an iconic brand that means, that has meant so much in history but today means nothing, I'd love to get my hands on it? Nintendo. <laughs> Why?
1: Because they're fucking up. Like there's no 15 year old, like. The fact that Nintendo is not winning in app gaming is ludicrous. They have the IP. The fact that Kardashian apps and like, and, like, and Minecraft and other things are winning while, while there isn't a 15 year old that gives a crap anymore about Mario or Zelda or things of that nature, that was a huge miss and they got romantic that it was all about the council where, where they made their money, right? And they were romantic and they didn't deploy against the next attention police and they allowed that romance to kill them.
0: People think the end of your story is buying the New York Jets. Yes. You buy the Jets. Yes. Then what?
1: Then they make a big fucking movie about my life.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. How would you define emotional intelligence?
1: I think it's the things that are actually happening in our world. I think it's the things that are happening that... We can't explain this, of course we can. Like charisma matters, right? Like like intuition matters. Like deploying empathy and gratitude matter. These are real things. That's why they, they exist. That's why they're words. They're real things and so I would define them as all the things that aren't about black and white, either data or math or written words or information that really separate people from success or not, I consider it likability is a good word. I think likability is a very, you know, likability is completely predicated on emotional intelligence, right? And so I think it's, I actually think because information's becoming commoditized by the internet, it's never been, I actually think I'm a complete byproduct of the internet becoming important because I think I so overskew in emotional intelligence and underskew in, you know, IQ that um, I think I'm a preview of things to come.
0: Do you think we've become too reliant then on big data? Big, you know, the fact that we talk so much about it, it sort of takes out the element of surprise. You know, I, t- I take you to the NBA. Mark Cuban would say, implementing big data is the key to having a winning team. And at the NBA Tech Conference, Charles Barkley and Magic Johnson sat there. And Charles Barkley said, big data, big data, you know when a boy has basketball skills. Forget big data. So what's the right lane?
1: Both. It's just both, right? Like, I love big data, but do you know where my success and VaynerMedia's for their client success comes from with big data? Having the human ability to interpret it and turn it into something. And talent trumps all. What well, Barkley's argument is, and Barkley's very right in a lot of areas and a little bit wrong in some other areas, in my opinion, I know his argument on this, which is, look, talent's gonna trump anything. If, like, Basketball especially, like, look who's won the NBA title for the last 30 years. It's been like the 11 guys, right? Like, like, in basketball, one player, unlike any other sport, fundamentally dictates the outcome because they, they play both ways, not like football and baseball, right? They, it's just clear, right? Um, that being said...
0: You can maximize
1: your You talent. can maximize, that's it. And you can maximize getting a role player who hits corner threes because that's the highest percentage and so the Spurs have used that, the Rockets have used that like, to win more games. So it's both.
0: What's the number one thing you want everyone in this room to walk away with? And this question comes from Alana McMillan, wherever you want.
1: <sighs> that I think there's literally 300 million different ways to win in the U.S., if that's how many people we have, right? Like That there is no blueprint, there is no exact way. It only comes down to being able to factor in the 40 or 50 indexes, input points, context points around your life and then navigating through that. And so, what, what I really want is for people to understand, don't do it like me, don't do it like you, don't do it like Zucks, don't do it like Trap, don't do it like Cuban. Like, Spend as much time as you can and Steph, I'll be honest, with you. maybe you know the answer, I'm actually weirdly asking you. If I knew how to help people like, create more self-awareness, it's what I would sell. I don't know if that comes through therapy or some system, or I don't know, I really don't.
0: My fear Please. is actually the reverse in terms of, with all of the information, with all the self-help, with all the people on Instagram saying, these three easy steps, the fear is we are telling people as soon as you have a job, that you if you have a job that you like, click, and when you meet a man that you like, click, and then you can afford a house, and then you have a baby, all of these things are the recipe for success. Well, if you're using some sort of Cosmo checklist for the recipe for success, you are going to end up very unhappy, well, because success is
1: internal. So I'll go a different way, fine, but I actually think we're in a much better place than we've been for the last 60 years on this issue. Why? Because prior to this world where we have so many more opinions and platforms, we had three channels that told everybody that thing. There was three old white guys that owned ABC and NBC and CBS. That's a great point. That completely pushed down to them what it was supposed to be. So now at least we have a lot more voices and there's more things to navigate. Thank you.
0: One thing I look at when I look at your career,
1: Gary. Well, Listen, I get excited when you say that's a good point because I know how you roll and it no, is No, I think it's a really good point. I think it's a really good point. Three people said this is the American way. Woman, you stay at home. Man, you do this. Everybody go work for the machine because that was an in invested interest of all the people in the top. And so now at least they have more options. Now Find your American dream. You know, now look, there's a lot of bad from that because there's a lot of fucking hucksters that are selling you guys bullshit that would have never gotten on TV that you now are listening to because, you know, they're renting a $300,000 car for the day, taking an Instagram photo of it and saying, yo, you know, it's but so it's fucking not, okay, disgusting. But it's not,
0: but hold on. Yeah. But it's not those hucksters' fault. So everyone in the audience who complains that the Kardashians were on magazine covers 110 times last year, it's the, it's not, the, hold on, but it's not the Kardashians' it's fault, the nor is it, it's not the media's fault. The, the media will sell whatever you will 100%. buy. The problem is, if you don't like it, stop buying it.
1: hundred percent. More importantly, stop judging other people's escapism. Like I don't care if you like the car, good for you. I like the Jets. That could be a waste of five hours a day. It's grown, like, like
0: I don't... Hold on a second, if we ask Lizzie, it's way more than five hours. It's probably
1: right. Yeah. I mean look, the fact of the matter is, is that everybody needs escapism. Everybody needs it. It's, a, it's, it's what music and entertainment and everything is built on. So I think we're wasting too much time judging people's choice of escapism. I'm saying don't listen to these hucksters because I think I'm gonna be played out to be right because I know what their intentions are, I know them. They're not doing the right thing. But I'll be very blunt with the 600 people in here. I don't care if you do it. I can't, I can't. I don't have enough time or energy in the day to individually care if you figured out that there is no quick fix in building something that puts you in the top 1% of society. Okay, that's
0: the fear though, Gary. That's the risk. Well, stop being scared. Who are rushing to say, Gary, solve my problem. I have fund it every day. Business. I have
1: it every day. I'm very comfortable in that environment. I give answers every day to that. And I'll decide what I want to do on an individual basis. And if I lose, then I deserve to lose. And if they lose, they deserve to lose. I am an absolute believer that the market is the market is the market is the market. And so you can trick the market for a few minutes, and you, we can be upset about all the fake entrepreneurs or the funded companies, but there'll be a day that comes, and then they'll all be gone and it'll be fucking awesome. <laughs> and it'll be awesome, I'll tell you why, because that's what's supposed to happen. Guys, nothing good comes easy. <laughs> like, what good stuff should come easy? Like, like I, and I use this word, audacity. If you have the audacity to be in the 1%, which one more time means you're making $400,000 a year before taxes, which is, by the way, a booby prize to most people when they think about entrepreneurship. I don't know anybody in entrepreneur tech land or entrepreneur solo entrepreneur that thinks that 400000 a year is the North Star. It's much bigger than that. I get the emails every day. Everybody thinks a million a year is like the minimum cost of entry to anything. Right? I, okay, I, so, but Gary, yes.
0: someone always has to pay. This whole idea that, you know, I'm going to build a multi-million-dollar yeah. uh, business. I want everyone to get free pre-K. There is no light at the. There is no gold at the end of the rainbow. Someone has to pay. Okay. So this idea that oh well, no one no one thinks four hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. When are we going to click and realize oh shit it is you never. Can't go-
1: Our whole entire human race from the beginning of mankind has proven we will never do that. It's just not a human way. Like, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with like, great. Like we, you know what? By the way, I'm the biggest fan of humans. We're still here. Like I actually think, I actually think humans are the most underrated brand in the world. I actually believe that.
0: What does that mean?
1: I'll explain. <laughs> I'll explain. I think humans. I'll the tell most underrated brand you. Brand the world the that world. you live in. Yeah. Big media has done a really good job in convincing every mother in here that they shouldn't let their kids play outside, because they fucking reported on kidnapping until they couldn't get enough of it, right? And so now we have a generation of people that don't want to put their kids outside, yet we're safer than ever because of devices, nobody's kidnapping anybody, yet the propaganda filled us nice and good, right? And so, what does it mean? I mean, humans could do anything to each other. We should have blew each other up a long time ago with the atomic bomb. We could do—I—I I could stab you in the face with this fork right now, right? Like that now can they're streaming on MSNBC. And so, but think about this. Think about—think about how much damage we're capable of to each other. We do so little. The problem is mainstream media reports on that 0.01 percent. I really believe that. I really think. I really am. A big believer in that. I'm stunned how good people are. I love it. Okay, but here's the great part. Go ahead. Mainstream media
0: reports on that yes. because it's sort of the way the system works but the yes. beauty of social media, yes. the beauty of the fact that there are more outlets today than ever, there are no longer three networks telling you this is the news today. Now you're a news creator, yes. you're a content creator. Yes. That's the beauty of it. So, so the criticism that you have is valid but the barriers of entry have gotten so low that anyone in the room can decide this is what the narrative is going to be. Ariana Huffington's good news vertical is the biggest money maker she has within the Huffington Post. It's about making a decision. You talk about Unilever. It's CEOs like Paul Pullman who make a decision to say, no, I'm going to be good in 100%. front. I,
1: I totally agree with you. I, I think we... I believe... And look, I actually have a more optimistic view on this. I actually think once we wrap our head about privacy, we're about to go through a real unbelievable era. I think I'm gonna miss it. What do it. you mean? I think once we go through a full cycle, I think 80 years from today, humans are gonna live a much happier li- life than we do now because there'll be less privacy. I think once we all wrap our heads around, I think I live, a, um, stick with me, I think I live a happier life and I'm a better man because I know a lot of people are watching me and it's changed my behavior, and so I'm optimistic. Wow, what were you we doing before? Nothing, but. I mean, you just opened, okay. well, how does it change I'll, I'll, your behavior? Fine, uh, Alex, my, Liz's brother-in-law, uh, Liz's brother, my brother-in-law had a wedding, we went to Vegas, and I decided not to go to the Spearmint Rhino because I was exploding on Twitter at the time, and I thought it would be a bad idea if For somebody took who a picture. For
0: don't know what Spearmint Rhino is, it's the most well-known gentlemen's club uh, just
1: off the Las Vegas Strip. Right. So, like just little things like that. I looked that up. Like, like, you know, like I, you know, I I just truly believe that when you're living your life So, had
0: you not been blowing up on social media, you would have been front and center throwing dollar bills. And that's right.
1: Yes. And, 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 and more importantly, not that that's bad, but I'm watching a lot of people's behavior shift and look who decides what's good and bad, and you can get into very big arguments, but I'm telling you right now, when you wrap your head around knowing that everything you write and everything you do is searchable, your whole world changes. If I told all my homies right now, hey bro, every single thing you send to a girl on Tinder eventually would be searchable under your name, I think some of the shit they'd write would be different.
0: Okay, all right. That's it. That's perfect perfect segue, Gary. Yes. If you were 22 to 32 in 2016, how would you document your journey as an entrepreneur? Would you show everything? The ups and the downs,
1: especially? So the so this comes from something that I've been talking about, which is too many people are posing as like I'm um, are, are crippled by two things. One, they don't want to put out content because they don't think they've made it yet and they don't deserve to, which is something I believe in.
0: So like when I say to you, Gary, I don't think that picture was very flattering of you. I, w- I don't think you should have posted it. No, that doesn't bother <laughs> me.
1: But like really, like I mean people saying things like, you know, th- I don't know if you know this, Steph, but there's a lot of people that want to be 22-year-old life coaches,
0: right? They do actually, okay. yeah.
1: So I find that intriguing, you know? <laughs> And so and so I'm, try, do, I'm yes. trying to help some of them and say look you, that's a bad place to go because no normal person thinks that you're a true like life coach at 22 but I tell them I tell them look you could be talking about your experiences as a 22 year old looking at the world and you can bring value to other people cuz you see the world differently than a 45 year old so that question's predicated on something I believe, which is how cool would it be right now if you wanted to, you could go to YouTube and watch how Vera Wang learned to become a dressmaker. If she was producing, like, this was my first day at the internship, at you know whatever place. Like, so I think everybody's truth has the potential to be interesting, especially if they've got the chops.
0: Okay, but here's the scary part. Okay. When people put themselves out
1: there like yes. that, what if no one
0: cares? What if, hold on.
1: It's a great question.
0: What if no one cares? What if no one follows them? What if no one likes them? They should be Right? Good. Yeah. That's a really hard place to be, to truly put yourself out there and say, here I am, world. I'm starting a gym. It's the first day. I'm ordering this. I'm buying this. What if nobody gives a shit?
1: If you're wired like I am, when you know that. Okay, but most stick people aren't. Stick with me. I'm going to give you a couple scenarios. If you're wired like I am, you love it because you know eventually you're going to win and everybody's going to look back on it. Fine, I know I'm in the minority. Steph, it's, first of all, it comes down to self-awareness, right? It depends on how you feel about yourself. Am I watching the patterns of 14-year-old teenagers who are taking three minutes to seven minutes to 15 minutes to take a selfie, then post it on Instagram, then if they don't get enough likes in the first 20 minutes, take it down and start over? Gary, I'm
0: afraid of that. Well, that's I'm great. afraid. I'm afraid of a lot of things. No, but I'm
1: afraid. What are we doing to our young people? No, no, stop over. We're not doing jack shit. This is what's happening. There's no we are doing. This is the reality of human evolution. Like, you're, if this was 1961 and we were doing this, you'd be like, Gary, I'm worried about Elvis shaking his hips. What are we teaching? I would never be worried about that. Yeah. So, so this notion that you and I get to say what we're worth this is happening whether you or I like it. This is what's happening. It's evolution, the end. You're gonna be much more scared about what's happening in this VR world in 20 years than any of it. You're gonna wish for the day of selfies in 20 years when people put on contact lenses and don't come out for a month. Okay, you know what though
0: Gary, you're a dad. You're a dad, you have two kids. What are you going to do when your daughter is 14 and she's locked in her room, desperate to make selfies and videos that people care about and when she walks out of the room and says, "No one likes me in this world." I'm going to say, "Misha, step up
1: hard... your fucking game." <laughs> I'm going to say to her, I'm going to I'm going to say to her, "Misha, if you're not making stuff that people want to watch, they're not going to watch, darling." That's what I'm going to say. Because that's the truth. And I'm gonna say. If you're why making, was, why I'm, being I'm gonna say, loved
0: by millions have to be how we define ourselves. I don't know, tell me, you're putting yourself on TV. I'm I might want to do that, but maybe other people don't. Well, I'm not telling fucking Misha she has to do that. But if that's the way we're going as a society. What are you
1: talking about? Do you know how many people don't do that? There are unlimited people who don't do social media. i met like 40 people under 30 in the last six months. Like a girl cut in my hair, she's like 25 year old girl in San Francisco during the Super Bowl weekend. I'm like, so what do you think about Snapchat? She's like, oh I don't have any social media. I'm like, none? She's like, no. I'm like, ever? She's like, nope. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, you know, and I was like, tell me more because I was like, ooh, is this a trend that I need to figure out? You know, like, you know, like, and so, and so, There is no, this is what we have to do. There's no difference between Misha doing that in her room than her laying in her room in 1984 asking Lizzie and I for three-way phone calls so she could sit there and do it. Nothing's changed, it just gets accelerated and what happens is we get scared because we get old. That's what happens. We get scared because we get old. We get scared of everything that we didn't grow up with. It's what human beings do. Right? And so all the gnarly 23-year-olds and 29-year-olds in here that are fucking super comfortable with all this shit, when VR comes when they're 42, and they have kids, I'm like, whoa, this is fucking, you know? <laughs> That's what happens. And so, I don't. I know that it's evolution. I'm very comfortable in it. I'll always be comfortable with it. I have a six and a three-year-old now. Nothing's changed on my point of view. And guess what? When something bad happens, My point of view will still not change. I'll be sad that a micro event happened and the data didn't go in our way. I'll be sad that Misha's crying or Xander got hurt. I'll be sad. But it's not going to make me say, well, now let's shut down evolution. We're going to shut down evolution. This is what's going to happen. Period. You can help shape it. I don't know about that. I think that people grossly overestimate their ability to shape it.
0: How important is it to brand yourself? For everyone out there who's an entrepreneur, they're starting a business. How important is it to tie their name, their face, to that business to make it a success? It's only, because important,
1: it's only important if they're good at it. So for example, you know this, there's unlimited amounts of companies that are successful that nobody's ever heard of the CEO. There's unlimited of people that are worth billions of dollars that nobody's ever heard of. Right? So it comes down to knowing oneself, right? So for me, this is very important because of a couple things. I think I'm good at it. There's another important thing. I really genuinely like it. I like looking out there and seeing Chef and Eric. I like to get to know people. I know them. I like it. I like people. So I put myself in the best position to succeed. I like people. The social network world is about people interactions. It was gonna naturally work for me. However, I have tons of Tons of startups and founders who ask me every day, they take my money, they want my advice, and they're they are not into people. And they don't want to put themselves out there. And they're very happy to put their head down and build a good product. But are consumers
0: demanding no. that they? No. I, use, I use Uber as no. an example. Hold on. No, I wanna...
1: no. Nobody here gives a shit that Perry Chen is fairly quiet. If they like Kickstarter, they're gonna use it. But
0: here's where you're wrong. Okay. People give a shit about Uber and Travis. People won't, hold on a second.
1: I'm not wrong, that's just another fucking different example. Oh, Steph, I'm not wrong. Do you know me? No, but if you say people I don't, don't give a care. shit. They do. I do They're not. Just... Nobody here cares about. Is even I don't even think Knight is still I don't even know the CEO of Nike. Mark Parker. Great. Well, I didn't. If you told me I'll give you the fucking jets right now, I couldn't have answered that. <laughs> and I don't give a fuck about him or his life or okay, his selfies. That's an But example. I like these fucking kits. Okay, then. then.
0: It's, then, it's, then, it's, it's, then explain it's, to me... Then, then it's ex- just another a option. Okay. okay. Then explain the Uber phenomenon to me. Hold on. How there are people <laughs> who, put, who criticize Uber and their management and their founder and don't think, guess what? It's just a great black car that shows up at my house and it's cheaper than a cab.
1: Instead, that's Those are the same people that moved to Canada when Bush and Obama got elected. Ah, okay. There you go. So many people here want to talk about if they even cared that they were mad at Uber for whatever current headline-grabbing thing that somebody wants to write because it's good for Business Insider, right? Their traffic. It's good to say something, but then they get into an Uber 40 minutes later. They go. They literally go and. Do you know how silly human beings are? that's where I well, wanted you to get to. Well, I understand. Listen, I know you're leading. I'm just, yes. I'm just following. Tell me where to go next. I mean, you know, because Gary's a follower. Right? I, I, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I don't think people care. I think people care about their things, and if they're a yenta and they love that shit, then they care.
0: You know who cares and has always cared? Your mother. You said earlier that your mother complimented you 500 times a day. She did. For me, every day my whole entire life, my mom calls me on the phone and says, you can do anything, and then hangs up. There's somebody in the audience who's a stay-at-home mom, and she wants to be that kind of inspiration. Yes. What does she do? What did your mom say?
1: My mom balanced, accentuating my strengths while letting know that my weaknesses were not completely acceptable to punt, but kinda. Right? One more time? Yep. What she did was every time I made a thousand dollars at a baseball card show, that's unbelievable. Do you know how many people can't even do that, like as grown-ups or as grown-ups? You know, that's, that's what she would say. You know, or you know, or whatever she would say. I mean, silly shit. Like you know, like she liked the way I swung my wiffle ball bat. You know, like it could be anything. Like I skipped well. You know, on the way to the park. Like she would go there, but when I would get Fs or do something that wasn't right. She would make me understand there should be consequences for that. She would punish me. Even though, I mean, my mom would punish me even as a junior in high school for Fs on my report card. Did you get a lot of Fs? Unlimited. (laughs) That's Okay, there's not unlimited Fs. (laughs) Steph, I have one report card. I've been actually trying to hit up North Hunter in high school to give me access to my report card because I want to throw it on throw, Throwback Thursday. I don't
0: think they have it.
1: They don't. Yeah. I've been trying to get it because literally I only got D's and F's. I would get a B in, in history, I'd get an A in gym, and I would get F's or D's for everything else. Why? Because I never, op- from the first day of high school until the last day, I never opened a single book once ever. I never did one piece of homework in my entire four years of high school. Why? Because I knew who I was, and I knew that they were going to push me through, and that I needed the time to hone my skills on my future and not figure out where Saturn was. <laughs> so 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 when I got home as a freshman in high school and the new Beckett baseball card guide would come out, I would lay in bed for six hours and memorize the prices on everything because Pre-cell phones and information when I go to the baseball card show on Friday if I had all the prices memorized that was an advantage over the other people that didn't Seeing that that's your
0: story Is that your journey is the or is that a path you recommend for others? What are you going to say to your kids when they're in the ninth grade and they're going to New York City's finest and they say I'm not opening a book
1: I'm gonna say if you have the chops to be an entrepreneur, let's fucking start right now, but if not, you need to explain to mommy and daddy what the fuck you're thinking.
0: (laughs) Do you think this is the year, we've been saying for the last few years, content is king, content is king, and there's so much content at this point. Do you think we're coming to a point in time where we're actually gonna start to really curate and really separate and say, a lot of this is noise, here's the high value product.
1: I think we do that every day and have done it for every day of our existence. So what I mean by that, I mean we choose this weekend to watch entire seasons of House of Cards because we decide that's good content for us and instead of watching something else or reading something else, we chose that and I think the marketplace has always been the marketplace and so I think that's been happening all along. That's what happens every day. There's been more than enough content to fill our days for much longer than the internet's been around. Once cable went to 36 channels, with the amount of newspapers and books that were produced, we've been picking and choosing what's good every day. These people chose that this was the best use of their time that this is what they wanted to do on a late sunday afternoon i'm humbled by that cuz sundays are tough that's family time this that and the other thing we do it every single day of our lives and what i love is there's even more content now right there's just so much right i know when i do daily v that's a sit that's a sitcom that's a 20 30 minute video that they're going to watch instead of watching something else and i think when, that will always go on forever
0: when you do daily v and you look back on it are there days where you say, oh, that was garbage? Or do you think it's all great?
1: I think it's all great. <laughs> really? Sure, because I think it's all true, right? Like, this doesn't mean it's great. Sure it does. I actually, for me, that's what, that's, that's what I want to make sure. One of the things that I'm most proud of is that D-Rock will always be able to tell somebody over a drink 25 years from now that, like, yeah, he didn't tell me to do anything. Like, I like that I stay away from it. He does, him, he does it. W- and- walk us through in case people don't know what that is. I do a daily vlog. Um, on ep- yep. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, episode 19 is where we're at right now. It's a 13 to 30 minute show that we put out. You know, it's called Daily V because Drock and I had big eyes that we were going to do it five days a week. But he's a, he's uh, he's unbel- it's really fun for me to watch what's happening with Daily V because he's getting a lot of accolades, a lot of credit. Because not only is he filming, he's editing, and he's working his face off. I mean, he's literally. Think about this. I talk about how hardcore I am. I literally he follows me for 15 hours and then sometimes he'll literally then go to the office and start editing. So like, he, it's really great for me to see him get his due and people are really talking about his talents in the comments and like, I saw somebody the other day I'm saying, oh shit, we need Stefan to follow D-Rock who follows Gary because <laughs> I want daily D-Rock, you know? And so, um, it's really cool to watch it but I feel great about it because I've never fil- felt such a feedback loop on anything I've ever done like Daily V because people that know me well are like, shit, man, I didn't realize you really worked that hard. And I have to be honest with you, we only started Daily V because I wanted to know, make sure everybody knew that I was working harder than them. It came from a very dark place. <laughs> Gary, everybody
0: in this room loves you, they want you to love them. What quality? I don't wanna use the word genius, I know we're in the genius dome. What quality do you see in people that you gravitate towards? What do you love?
1: Optimism. I love optimism. You know, I hate cynicism. Like I love, like I wanna build an empire on good. Like I hate Steve Jobs' narrative. He changed the world, he's unbelievable, but like he didn't make people happy that worked for him. I don't like that, I don't wanna do that. My biggest ambition If I can pull off what I'm gonna pull off here, is to build a Gary, you are pulling it off. Yeah, I know, but I got but I a ways to go. I am pulling it off, but anything can happen. Like I don't I truly live Steph in a world where I'm only as good as my last at bat. Like I'm not interested in eating, you know, like consuming my hyperbole or reading my headlines. I like them. They make me feel good, but I'm not confused by them. I've got a long way to go to pull off what I really want to pull off, which is to become a standard. Of building an empire, a professional business empire, on doing good stuff, not on. I was tough on you because I wanted to get the best work out of you. I don't like that. I want to win with honey over vinegar. I like that. I like happiness, optimism. Okay, I know our time. I want to finish. Optimism <laughs> that is loaded with practicality. So many of you in here, and I know you, you're loaded with optimism without practicality. You wish you're something without really understanding who you actually are. And in that wishing, you change your behavior and you make yourself vulnerable for upside. And so, I'm I'm good at a couple things. And if you notice, the reason the reason I have so much bravado and confidence is I mainly talk about my stuff. Look, I've been on your show and you know when it's subject matters when I'm like part of it and I got to say stuff, you know, if it's subject matters I don't know, I can, I can be pretty like, you know, I'll get out of there, right? Like, I, I don't want to talk about, how, you know, I'm doing Tuesday night, I'll be, I'm in full promotion. Tuesday night I'll be on CNN, right? So I'll be with Don Lemon and I, I mean, what are we gonna talk about? We're gonna talk about politics. I'm gonna fucking dance, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, because I don't, because I'm a headline reader. I have not even begun to really pay attention to the presidential race. Do you race. vote? Yeah. And I vote, I'm very proud of the way that I vote. I've voted very consistently on both sides of the aisle. And that's because I make it practical, not emotional. There'll be two candidates and I'm gonna pick the one that I think I want to be there. And I'm not gonna get crippled by, oh, I live in a state where it doesn't matter. Like I'm gonna do my thing, I'm gonna make my decision and I'm gonna move on.
0: There's one thing you didn't talk about that I, I want you to. Okay. You talked about being optimistic. Yes. And you want to create an empire, you want to do it, you know, through love and not through hate. Yes. But I think you also do it with a level of brutal honesty. Yes. And that's something that in the the PC, hyper-human resource-wrapped world that we're living in, (laughs) in a professional environment, many criticisms is honesty has sort of been taken out of the equation because we're forced to be so super-sensitive. Yes. You're not super-sensitive.
1: Not in this subject matter. Um, mainly because I'm selfish. And what I mean by that is I want to be historically correct. And if I'm not honest, I won't be. And that's it. I'm telling you right now, this is where I balance my good is so often so self-serving but it manifests in such but a weird okay way. But that's okay if you're honest about it. I agree. It. The the, the fundamental reason that I try to spit my honest answer to every question is I have a very good long track record of being right and I want to continue that and I think there's enormous leverage in it and so if I answer honestly and it becomes true it really helps me right and I want to continue to do that
0: well you're doing it Gare we are out of time thank you so- thanks for coming thank you thank thanks you. for asking me to be here thank you Book signing, right? Ah, hold on. Oh. Sorry. Selfies. We are done with this portion of the program, but it would not be a Gary V event without a book signing outside as well as don't you want a selfie with this? <laughs> How are you gonna get all those followers? Gary, this is the end of my portion. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with Thank you. Me. Please stay, get your book, get it signed, get a picture with Gary. Thank you.